Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats Trade Deadline Special. We are there. It is the deadline, 6 o'clock Eastern. There will still be stuff coming in. We're going to go over all of it. Winners, losers, happiest players, all the trades that are going to trickle in. One of the best trade deadlines I can remember in a long time. Juan Soto on the move. This is going to be a blast. Let's get to it. Oh man, what a day. Um, I, I'm a little overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff happening. The last 15 minutes before the show started, I was freaking out. The trades were happening. Jordan Montgomery going to the Cardinals. Harrison Bader in return. What are the Yankees going to do? They need. Are they going to get another pitcher? I don't know. We'll probably figure all of that out here in a few minutes. But this has been one of the biggest trade deadlines I can remember in history. And it starts with what happened today. Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals has been traded to the San Diego Padres. One of the biggest trades, perhaps the biggest trade since Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Now, that's a little alarming to hear, but hear me out here. Juan Soto is 23 years old. Half the prospects that the Nationals got back in return for Juan Soto are his age or older than he is. He's already on pace to be a Hall of Famer. He's already in categories with only Ted Williams, and we're seeing him at 23 years old get traded to the Padres. This is unprecedented. We have never seen a trade like this. We have never seen a trade as big and the return like this. This is remarkable. Now, the Babe Ruth trade obviously will forever and always be the biggest because, well, it turned into Babe Ruth being Babe Ruth with the Yankees and the Red Sox being cursed for 100 years. So obviously that's a pretty big deal. I don't know if the Nationals are going to be cursed for 100 years. I'm not going to predict it, but hey, maybe. So this is huge. Soto, obviously we know how good he is, but just historically good. Let me explain this. Soto leads MLB in walks this season. If he were to lead MLB again in walks, he would be the first player since Barry Bonds to do it. And the only one in the last 30 years other than Barry Bonds. There's also a direct comparison here with Ted Williams, who many consider to be the greatest hitter of all time. So this is kind of why this is a massive deal today. Ted Williams and Juan Soto, two guys. And you can compare them, just the two of them, as to how good they have been through their age 23 season. Listen to this. Juan Soto and Ted Williams through their first 565 career games. Juan Soto, 2,439 plate appearances to Ted Williams, 2,519. Juan Soto, 119 home runs compared to Ted Williams, 118 home runs. Soto, 464 walks compared to 468 walks for Ted Williams. So 
I know this has been a massive talking point all day. There was so much drama around this trade as well. Eric Cosmer was involved and then he wasn't, but then maybe he was again. And then it ended up being Luke Voigt. Today was madness. I was driving into studio early this morning. I was constantly on Twitter. Thank God I'm here. <laughs> Don't tweet or text and drive. But it, it's just been madness all day. And this has been the biggest. We're going to get to everything in this show. We're going to get to everything that went down. Winners and losers and Astros and Yankees, what they did. But the biggest storyline around this entire trade deadline was Juan Soto. And the deal was insane. We'd been hearing for weeks now. I had Ken Rosenthal on the show one week ago, and he was talking about the trade deadline and Juan Soto and where he was going to go. And now he's moved. I refuse. I, I didn't believe it. I couldn't believe it that Juan Soto was going to get moved. What are the Nationals doing? The return, pretty good. We'll get to that a little bit in a second. But they've now lost Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Anthony Rendon, all in the last few years. But kudos to the Padres for going out and getting this done. The trade ends up being, by the way, Josh Bell was involved in this trade. Josh Bell should have been an all-star. He's also involved here. So the Padres are trading Mackenzie Gore, pitcher, shortstop, C.J. Abrams, outfielder, Robert Hassel, Hassel, pitcher, James Wood, and pitcher, Jarlin Susana. This is quite the trade here. Now, I have producer Taylor out here with me today. Producer Taylor is a massive, massive Padres fan. So he is on cloud nine today. But Taylor, first off, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Secondly, I, talk to me a little bit about these prospects. And, uh, of these, pick one or two and just explain what the Nationals are getting. Yeah, so probably a big one that a lot of people don't know about, James Wood. Do you like O'Neill Cruz? I like O'Neill Cruz. Big fan, right? Yeah. 6'7", 240, yeah. left-handed bat. Well, James Wood is that. Runs a 6'3", <laughs> six, six, big pop. 19 years old, first round talent, got taken the second round. Okay. Uh, obviously, some people might know about C.J. Abrams, electric speed, think Trey Turner type speed. And then Robert Hassel, probably the best all-round hitter in the minors, another lefty bat, uh, taken third overall in 2020. So good talent. But look, I, I always say this, I'm always a proponent of the teams just going out and getting the piece they want. You never know what these guys could turn into, potential all-stars maybe someday. You know what you're getting with Juan Soto, and he's 23 years old. You are getting a, if all goes according to plan, and as good as he has shown, he clearly is, he will be a Hall of Famer someday. At 23 years old, we're already able to say that if he just continues to be anything close to what he's been, he's a Hall of Famer. But this trade wasn't without its drama today. So Eric Hosmer was involved in the trade originally. Eric Hosmer has a no-trade clause where he blocked about 10 teams of who he couldn't or he, he had to okay the trade if he was traded there. Or he could say no. The Nationals were on that list. So this huge trade, one of the biggest trades of all time, is happening. But Eric Hosmer's blessing needed to be had first. And he said no. <laughs> So he exercised his no-trade clause, and I tweeted this, and people need to understand this because rightfully people are like, oh, my God, how dare he? Eric Hosmer has every right to do what he did. He earned the contract he has. He earned the no-trade clause that he has in there. He had every right to do this. His wife and him are also expecting a baby in just, a, just about a month. So being traded in the middle of a season, in the middle of, of that happening, is just not very 
um, easy, even though he ended up being traded to the Red Sox. But still, so I don't fault Eric Hosmer whatsoever. But in the end, Luke Voigt ends up being the replacement there, which is actually a much bigger blow to the Padres team this year. So Luke Voigt on the move with all of those prospects I mentioned, but Juan Soto and Josh Bell are on the move to the Padres. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, I, I think Padres fans everywhere are going to be for Taylor's got a massive smile on his face over here. Things are good. I'm not upset. You're not upset. So, okay. Before we move on here, uh, are there any other trades I need to know about at this point? So the biggest updates that we have. So this is since the start of the show. Yes. I don't know about this. J- just okay, happened. Great. great. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, staying. They are staying. Okay. Yes. Carlos wow. Rodon, Jock Peterson, also staying. But wow. one player is on the move. You talked about the Jays not doing enough. They just got Whit Merrifield from the Royals. Whoa, we were just talking about him. Whit Merrifield is moving to the Blue Jays? That is correct. Wow, that's a big move. This is a lot of fun. Just breaking news, getting it live. This is great. Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays. So I'm sure there will be a couple more trickle in. But we're going to we're going to miss uh, – We're there's going to be some stuff changing here. We got the the winners and losers coming up. There's there's a lot that's going on in this show. This is going to be an absolute blast. But important note here in terms of Whit Merrifield going to the Blue Jays, something has to change, and I will not sit here and talk about vaccination status one way or the other. That's not what I'm going to do. But an important note here is that Whit Merrifield is very – publicly not vaccinated and you have to be to even play in Toronto so you would think if a trade was made he has agreed to get it or else what was the point of the trade but I digress so let's move on here another storyline here the Seattle Mariners the Mariners are all in and I love it look at what happened around the American League the two best teams the Yankees and the Astros they went for it There weren't a ton of other massive, okay, we're all in. Here's all of our chips. Let's go get into the playoffs for the first time in over 20 years if you're the Mariners. But I love it. They end up trading for the best pitcher on the market, Luis Castillo. They give up three top five prospects to make it happen. Noel V. Marte, Levi Strout, Edwin Arroyo, and Andrew Moore are all on the move. Three of those guys are top five prospects to go get the best pitcher on the market. Now, I tweeted this when it happened. Was it a steep price? Absolutely. Was it maybe a little much? Also, absolutely. But they went out and they got their guy. They're going for it. A team that wasn't expected to to go out and compete for a World Series. They were going to be better this year. But they're going for it. They cashed in all their chips for the best starting pitcher that was available. They took him from the Yankees. The Yankees were in on Castillo. They got... They didn't get him. They end up getting Montas. The Mariners get him. So... I love this, and I love this for the game of baseball. Here's why. You have these massive teams that you always expect to go get the big piece, but I love it when teams like this cash in their prospects and say, we are ready to go in right now. Look at last year. They kind of came out of nowhere. In the last weekend of the year, they were still in contention to get into the playoffs, but they didn't end up getting in. Now you get to the offseason. They acquired Jesse Winker, all-star, Robbie Ray, all-star, Cy Young Award winner, Eugenio Suarez. They went all in. And now they're here after a slow start to the year, starting in June. They were the one of the best teams in all of baseball. That's how hot they had been. 
At one point, they had won, They were 17-0 if you just take out the six games they played against the Astros. If they had never played the Astros, they would have been 17-0, but they went 1-6 against the Astros in that stretch. So they're playing really good. They're a really good team. They're on the cusp of making the playoffs for the first time in forever. They have the longest professional drought for the playoffs of any team in America, in American sports. That's how long they've been out of the playoffs. And now they cash in their prospects to go for it. You know what prospects are? They're prospects. And could somebody end up being a Fernando Tatis or a Julio Rodriguez? Absolutely. But it's a gamble. You don't know for sure. Luis Castillo, you, you know for sure, is going to be good. This year, he's 4-4, four and four, which doesn't matter because he's on a very bad team that doesn't score any runs. He's got a 2.86 ERA and 14 starts this year. He is a free agent after next year, though. So you have a year and a half of control, and you gave up three of your top five prospects. It's a steep, steep price. Kudos to the Reds for getting that deal done. The Reds did a lot of good things here at the deadline. That's a totally different talking point because it's, again, a total teardown of their team, which is like the second or third or fourth time in, in the decade, which is ridiculous. But they did get a good return. But Luis Castillo is a stud. They already have a top 10 pitching rotation. Their ERA as a team is 3.74. Now you add Luis Castillo to a rotation with Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. I like it. I like it. Taylor, you got something for ben, me? Ben, we got another buzzer beater here. <laughs> the, buzzer, the buzzer's buzzed, my friend. Braves replacing the Will Smith vacancy with Rysel Iglesias from Ooh. the Angels. Whoa. Wow, I didn't see that coming. I thought you were going to say they replaced him with Gregory Soto of the Tigers because the Tigers got rid of Fulmer at the at the deadline, but they didn't. Rysel Iglesias is a fantastic pickup. Oh, man. Okay, let me process. Rysel Iglesias to the Atlanta Braves. Let me see how I feel about this. I think I like that a lot, actually. Braves getting Rysel Iglesias from the Angels for Tucker Davidson, Jesse Chavez, uh, Braves taking on the remainder of Iglesias' contract. So what, this is just a, a teardown for the Angels. What a disappointment, man. What a disappointment for the Angels. And, you know, now Syndergaard's out. Iglesias is out. Brandon Marsh is out. You got, I mean, in a year, you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Mike Trout is already on my Mount Rushmore of baseball. Shohei Otani has put together the greatest year and a half we have ever seen in the history of the sport. You combine the two of them and you have a team that is selling at the trade deadline. It's just sad. I want them to be good. I want more than anything to watch Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs. Is that too much to ask? Apparently. But come on, man. Like, what are they doing? So here's what they need to do. They're selling now. You have another year of Shohei Otani. They have committed to keeping him. They didn't trade him. Obviously, Trout's wrapped up for a while. What you need to do, tear it down, get rid of the Iglesias contract, get rid of Syndergaard, you, you sell them off for some pieces, and then build it back up and do it correctly. And I don't know how to do that because I'm not a Major League Baseball GM, but somebody that's in a better position than I do needs to do it right. And it's not giving Albert Pujols a 10-year deal worth tons of money when he's already 33 years old. Uh, the, the Anthony Rendon contract is looking like a hindrance so far to this point. I don't know what they want to do. I didn't even plan on going off on an Angels tangent, but here we are, and I hope they get into the playoffs in the near future. Next up, I'm going to go into some winners and losers from the trade deadline. So I'm going to head on over here to the board, and I'm going to pick about 
10 or so teams. And we're going to do this. We're going to have winners. We're going to have 10 teams over here. I think this is 10. How many is this? One, two, three, four. That's eight. I don't know. We're going to have eight or 10 teams over here at some point. And I'm going to pick who was the winners and who was the losers. So, so let's start over here. This one's easy for me. The San Diego Padres. Let's just put them where they belong. They're winners. The Padres are winners. They go out and get Juan Soto, as I mentioned, but they did a lot more than that. Josh Bell, who was kind of an under-the-radar guy in this, in this trade because of Juan Soto. But think about this. Josh Bell was going to be a big piece. The Houston Astros were all in on getting Josh Bell. That was going to be like one of their big gets. Now, obviously, they went in a different direction, but he was going to be a big get for the offseason. He goes to the Padres as well in that Juan Soto trade. So does Josh Hader. As of, you know, until the last month, he's, he was the best closer in the game of baseball for the better part of a few years. That's how good he's been. So the Padres got a lot better. They did a lot of things. They are probably the biggest winner of all here. I would give the Padres an A+. Plus. Great. I don't give a lot of A pluses unless somebody goes above and beyond or unless it's me in trivia and I'm being generous. A plus for the Padres. Next up, we'll go New York Yankees here because the New York Yankees are quite easily, they're a winner. Frankie Montas, good addition. Before his little arm injury that he was dealing with, he was probably the biggest pitcher on the market, him and Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo emerged as that guy, but Montas ends up coming back. He's a great pitcher. He goes to New York. Also, Lou Trevino, great bullpen option. Also, they needed an outfielder, Andrew Benintendi. Oh, let's go out and get an all-star outfielder. Andrew Benintendi is a Yankee as well. So I really like what they did. A little confused here, unless you have a new update for me here. A little confused at the deadline, they ship out Jordan Montgomery. And that just was kind of it on the pitcher side of things. So I, I don't know. Maybe having Montas gives them that flexibility. I am not about to take them out of the win column there because... The Yankees won. They needed to address an outfield spot. They did it. They got an outfielder, Andrew Benintendi. They also shipped Joey Gallo, Gallo out, which probably a good thing for the team. They needed a starting pitcher. Frankie Montas accomplishes that. They also needed a reliever. Eraldis Chapman hasn't been the Eraldis Chapman of old. They've had some issues. Michael King out for the year. Chad Green out for the year. Lou Trevino in. He's a good option there as well. The Yankees were easy here. They're winners. By the way, before we move on here quickly, the Joey Gallo situation, one, is just really sad. I don't, like, he was quoted as saying he was even scared to go out on the streets in New York because he knows how awful he was doing, and he feels really bad that this was his career in New York. So just as a human being, please stop giving him so much crap. Like, he's a good guy, and he was struggling in New York, and he clearly feels very bad about it. But he is on the move to Los Angeles, to the Dodgers. So... Interesting situation here that he goes to the Dodgers from one big market to another, and he's still per expected to perform. I don't know what's going to happen there. But the Yankees are clear winners. They had a great trade deadline. Next up, let's go with the Dodgers here. I'm going to put the Dodgers on the loser side. Losers, aggressive. But the, the Dodgers are losers. The Dodgers didn't do much. You know, they were in on Juan Soto didn't get him, and then you think, okay, they miss out on Juan Soto. They're going to go all in on somebody. Now, did the Dodgers need to go all in on anybody? No. They're, they're a fantastic team already. But 
they could have used some help. They could have used some help in the rotation. I was thinking there was a possibility that they go out and get Pablo Lopez or one of the other starters remaining towards the end of the deadline. They didn't do that. They end up getting rid of Mitch White. They ship him out. Their acquisition in the bullpen, Chris Martin. Um, nothing big jumps out at me for the Dodgers. So are they a good team? Yes. Are they going to win the NL West? Yes. Look, the Padres are too far behind. They're not going to catch them. The Dodgers are still a very good team. But the trade deadline for many, if you're already one of the elite teams, the goal is to win the World Series. It's not to win the division. So I'm a little disappointed. Yes, they're going to win the division. But now how do they match up against the Mets, who have Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer at the top of that rotation? So it just they match up a little better with some of the other teams now. The, the other teams match up better with them, the Mets, the Braves. The Dodgers aren't that unbeatable team that they appeared because they really didn't help themselves out too much at the deadline. And with all the uncertainty of Walker Bueller and Dustin May and, you know, I, Clayton Kershaw's back, but he's been injured throughout the year, missed the majority of the year. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there, specifically Craig Kimbrell in the back end of that bullpen. I mean, what do you do there? He's certainly anything but automatic. He comes in the game. He's been struggling of late. So, look, the Dodgers, I would have liked to see them do more, especially once they missed out on Juan Soto. Apparently, if you're all in on Juan Soto coming out of that, you should do more, in my opinion, than add Joey Gallo, who hasn't been great so far this year. Dodgers are the first up on the loser side. Next up. We're going to go with the New York Mets. The Mets, they're losers as well. Again, aggressive. Mets are losers. But I, look, the Mets here had a glaring issue. Catching. Wilson Contreras was the easy answer here. And I don't want to say easy answer because I know there's a lot of prospects involved and apparently the price was really high on Wilson Contreras. But if you're the Mets... It is go time. This is a World Series team. You have Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom at the top of your rotation. You have Chris Bassett, who's an all-star in your rotation. You have a much improved team. Starling Marte has been fantastic. Pete Alonso is driving in a million runs. Um, everybody around the team. Francisco Lindor has been really good. For the Mets, their weakness was their bullpen, just getting to Edwin Diaz, who's the best closer in baseball right now, and catching. They've had a lot of issues there. James McCann has been hurt. They've had some struggling guys at the catcher position. Wilson Contreras was the answer. What are you doing if you're the Mets? Come on. For that reason, I have the Mets as losers. These two teams, the Dodgers and the Mets, they are favorites in the National League. Dodgers, Mets, Braves, throw the Braves in that conversation. And those are the elite teams on the National League side. Neither of them added what they should have to compete against each other. Frustrating, really frustrating for the Mets because the answer was right there. I know you don't want to give up a ton, but the answer was right there for Wilson Contreras. Let's go over back to the board. We're going to take the Astros here. The Astros, I have them as a winner. Now, this kind of came down to the wire for me. They weren't necessarily here just after the Trey Mancini edition. So the Astros acquire Trey Mancini from the Orioles, the beloved Trey Mancini by everybody, friend of the pod, might I add, but also just his story over the last couple of years, 
Um, truly incredible. And comeback player of the year last year after battling back from cancer. It's just a good story. Now the Astros get him a big piece, uh, can play first base, can play the outfield, can obviously DH if you need him to because literally anybody can DH if you want them to. So he's a good pickup. But the Astros needed to do more, and the reason I almost had them on the loser side, this was close. It kind of went back or forth to me, was because of what the Yankees did. What the Yankees did was so good that the Astros needed to counter with more. Now, the the timing was funny how it worked out. The Yankees go out, and they had already added Benintendi, and then they get Montas and Trevino, and literally two minutes later, the Astros announce Trey Mancini. So big pickup there in Mancini. The reason I really like the Astros here and put them on the winner's side is the addition of Christian Vasquez. Now, the Astros have Martin Maldonado at catcher. He's a great catcher. Maybe not on the surface, Maybe not if you're a fan just looking at the numbers. Offensively, Maldonado isn't, that's that's not what he's known for. He's not an offensive guy. He has been better of late, but he's not in the lineup for his offense. You can't quantify how valuable Martin Maldonado is to the Houston Astros. What he means to that pitching staff, they all rant and rave about him, about pitching to him. He is masterful behind the plate. But they were lacking a little bit offensively, and they were lacking with depth there. Jason Castro out for the year. Corey Lee, who's the future of the catching position for the Astros, called up, but he's really young. He's a prospect. So he gets sent back down with the addition of Christian Vasquez. Now, I really like this. Why? Because you can only play one catcher at a time. Here's why. For the playoffs. I've mentioned a lot, and I will probably continue to mention this. These teams that are the elite of the elite, the Yankees, the Astros, this isn't about winning the division. They're both going to win the division easily. It's about playing each other. It's about winning in the playoffs. It's about getting to the World Series. So what this allows the Astros to do is it, it gives them so much opportunity in the playoffs. I imagine, I'm not Dusty Baker, but I imagine there's a scenario in which a lot of the starts in the playoffs are given to Maldonado. Now, we've seen it in the past where they run into situations where in the third, the fourth inning, Maldonado comes up with runners on base in a big situation. Now, it's big situations in the playoffs once you get to the first inning. The pressure is big. Maldonado comes up to the plate early in the game. You want to pinch hit, but you really can't. You don't have a lot of other options. Your go-to options aren't great. I envision a world where Maldonado can catch the whole game if he needs to, can catch seven innings, and if there's a big opportunity in the seventh and he comes up to the plate, you pinch hit, and then you have Vasquez there. If there's a big opportunity that comes up in the third inning, you pinch hit because you have Christian Vasquez there. Christian Vasquez is the, has the ability to be an everyday catcher in the big leagues. He's really good. Now you have two really good guys that are very different in what they do well. Maldonado catches well. He runs the pitching staff well. He calls a great game. Vasquez does that as well, but Maldonado's elite there. Vasquez is a great hitter. The guy mashes as a catcher. There's not many catchers that can rake. He is one of them. So I really like that addition there for the Astros. Vasquez and Trey Mancini, for me, those are the two big additions that they got and the ones that are going to matter. Also, in the back end of that bullpen, they didn't really have a good lefty option. So before we move on to another team, I got to mention that that trade there because this is kind of a big one. You don't often see Uh, A major league guy in a starting rotation traded for a reliever at the back end of the bullpen. But we saw that with the Astros and the Braves. The Astros traded Jake Odorizzi 
to the Braves. The Braves trade back Will Smith. Good trade there for the Astros and the Braves. I like that a lot. Will Smith adds in nicely to the back of that bullpen. That needed a lefty pitcher. All right. Let's head back over here to the board. We're going to go with the Red Sox right now. The Red Sox, losers. Well, I, I guess the reasoning here is, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing here? What direction are you going? Were you buyers? Were you sellers? This was just a half, half-assed effort, honestly. I don't, I don't really know what they were doing with the trade deadline. They give Christian Vasquez, not give, they trade Christian Vasquez, their catcher, to the Astros. Okay? But then they also add Tommy Pham. They add some other pieces as well, but I'm just confused. You know, this is why they're here. They didn't go for it. You're sitting behind the Orioles in the AL East, which, if you hear that at any point right now, the Orioles are on the up, yes. But the Red Sox, as we speak right now, are behind the Orioles in the AL East. If that doesn't scream, hey, you should be a seller I don't know if you're going to be able to get into the playoffs and do any damage. I don't know what does. The Red Sox should have sold. They didn't. They didn't commit one way or the other. They didn't improve their team, and they didn't improve for the future. This is pretty simple here. They're losers for that reason. I would have liked them see go all in on the selling side, see what you can get for J.D. Martinez, Nadia Valdi, Christian Vasquez gets shipped out as well, which he did. But if not... Buy. Give yourself a chance. You're not too far out of a wild card spot. I do think they would have had to do a lot to make themselves a team that can compete for a World Series. But be buyers. Do something. So they are losers because they did nothing. They didn't commit one way or the other. And you got to commit. Next up. Let's head back over here. We'll go with the Phillies. The Phillies. We're going to head on over here to the winner's side. The Phillies are winners. Now, this came down to the wire. We had been show prepping all day long, and there wasn't even really a conversation about the Phillies until about 30 seconds before the show. I said, hey, can we do this? Phillies, winners. And shout out to our graphics guy, Danny. He is legendary. He has put all this together, and he crushed it. And here they are. The Phillies are winners. So here's the reasoning. They had a lot of holes. The NL East, they didn't do much. The Braves, little disappointing. Mets, very disappointing. The Phillies, who are right now on the cusp of a playoff spot, holding on to the last wild card spot, they went for it. They needed an outfielder. They needed a center fielder. They went and got Brandon Marsh from the Angels. Good pickup there. They needed a reliever. They got David Robertson. I'm a, I'm a big fan of what they did. I think the Phillies addressed all of the all of the needs, all of the wants that they had. So now you look around this team. Bryce Harper is going to be another addition, if you will, at some point. You know he he's coming back from his broken hand, but the pins just got taken out of his hand. So I don't know the process there. I'm not a doctor, but I imagine he's going to start his rehab process soon. And before playoffs, he's going to be able to help them. In the, in the playoff stretch, in, septem- in September, he'll be back out on the field. So I like what the Phillies did a lot. They really improved their team. It all came right down to the deadline. Um, so Phillies are here on the winner's side. Taylor, am I missing anybody that the, that the Phillies acquired? 
The only thing that they added is Syndergaard, Brandon, Brandon Syndergaard. Marsh. Syndergaard, thank you, yes. And uh, David Robertson. Yes, Syndergaard, massive pickup there. Uh, again, that goes back to the Angels' discussion of it's just frustrating. They're not on the winner's or loser's side because of, um, you know, they just decided to sell, which as long as you get back the right pieces, you can you can do good. But they they end up getting rid of Syndergaard, who was okay with them this year. It's not the Syndergaard of old. We shouldn't, or, or nobody should expect the Syndergaard of old to be pitching for the Phillies now. But he is a good major league pitcher and capable of helping a team down the stretch. I really like that addition there. They addressed all of their needs. Starting pitching, relief, center fielder. Brandon Marsh, David Robertson, Noah Syndergaard. The Phillies are here as a winner. Let's head on over. Let's get the Cardinals here. The Cardinals. Losers. Big-time losers. This is a tough one here. So the Cardinals were one of the three teams we heard in on Juan Soto. And for a while, it was Padres and Cardinals neck and neck there. And the Dodgers were kind of a, hey, they're involved here too. The Cardinals were all in on Juan Soto. Gorman was up for grabs. Dylan Carlson was up for grabs. The problem is they weren't up for grabs together. They weren't willing to package those guys. So I don't blame the Cardinals for that. They decided not to go as hard as they could for Juan Soto. But then you miss out on Juan Soto to the Padres that ended up getting him. But what else did they really do? They had Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery. They needed pitchers bad. So that's good. But I would have loved to see them do more than what they did. I would have loved to see them add another option in the bullpen. I would have loved to see them add offensively. You miss out on Juan Soto. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Go get somebody else. I don't know who that option is. Obviously, I don't think they wanted like a Joey Gallo, who was another outfielder on the market. But I, I just struggled with these teams. As you can see, there's the, the other two teams that didn't get Juan Soto, the Dodgers and the Cardinals. They're both on the loser side here because after you miss out, you don't really do much. And Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery are not enough to put them on this side of the list. They're just not. The, pod, the, the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to be neck and neck in the NL Central all year long. Does this do enough to get them into the playoffs, to win the division, Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana? Maybe. Does this do enough to make you a, a force in the playoffs? No. And winning a division is not the goal here. A World Series is the goal. If you add a Juan Soto to your team, guess what? You have a much better chance of winning a World Series. If you add just Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery, your chances aren't there. I would have liked to see the Cardinals do a lot more. A little frustrated with them there. They end up giving up Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery. And that was kind of that. A little slower deadline for the Cardinals after all of the talk was around him. That's why they're here. But they did address a need. Starting pitching was a need. It wasn't a complete failure, so I'm a little more disappointed just because I think they could have done more and capitalized on their situation. But adding Quintana and Montgomery will be good for them, and it was a necessity for them to add pitching. 
Let's go over here. Brewers, Mariners next. Those are the last two. We'll grab the Mariners here. The Mariners, they're winners. I talked to them about them off the top of the show a good bit. They went all in, and they gave up a lot to do it. Do I fault them for giving up a lot? No. Could it down the road be detrimental to their franchise? Yes. But I'm living in the moment. And what the Mariners did this trade deadline was they vastly improved their team. Big time. I really like what they did adding Luis Castillo. That rotation needed it. A team that is down Julio Rodriguez now. Hopefully not for long, but he gets hurt. He goes on the IL. A team that was hot as fire is now facing some adversity. This was huge for them to be able to go out and add Luis Castillo to a rotation with a Cy Young Award winner last year, Logan Gilbert, who looks to be fantastic. And now you add him into the top of the rotation. They went for it. Their lineup is really good. I like the, I like the Mariners lineup a lot, led by Julio Rodriguez, so they need him back. But I like where they're at offensively. I now like where their rotation is at. They are a force. Do I believe that they are a World Series contender? I don't know. I wouldn't put them quite on the level of the Astros and the Yankees in the American League. But I promise you this, Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert, those three match up really well with anybody. And nobody wants to face them. So they can shut down a lineup. Winners for the Seattle Mariners. Last but not least on the board, we're going to take the Brewers and we are going to fill them in the last slot here on the loser side. Again, this team, of all of them, really frustrates me. The Brewers, in fact, who lead the NL Central, not only did they not get better, I think they're worse than they were a week ago. You have Josh Hader, who has been, look, over the course of the last two years, three years, Josh Hader has been the best closer in baseball. Over the course of the last couple of months, that has shifted to uh, Edwin Diaz. But by and large, Josh Hader has been the best closer in baseball. You have him on your team. So your team is built around pitching. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, then Devin Williams to Josh Hader in the back end of that bullpen. You traded away Josh Hader. For Josh Hader led the, was leading the National League in saves. You traded him away for Taylor Rogers, who was this, had the second most saves in the league. But you can't tell Taylor Rogers isn't the elite closer Josh Hader is. He's good. Don't get me wrong. And then you got some prospects in Denelson Lamette, who could be a project, and he looks to be really good, but it's coming off an injury. How good will he be in the future? Nobody really knows. So for this team right now that is leading the division and has a chance to be really good and just needed some offense to pair with their really good pitching, they added no offense and got worse on the pitching side. Really frustrating. The more I talk about this, I get more fired up about it. I didn't know I could get this fired up about Brewers pitching. But I am. And here we are. They're losers. The NL Central here, both of these teams, disappointing. So this is the winners and losers of the trade deadline. Padres, Yankees, Astros, Phillies, Mariners, all big winners, losers. Dodgers, Mets, Red Sox, Cardinals, and the Brew Crew. Taylor, got anything for me or are we done? done? Yeah, no, we're done. But moving on here, uh, the two bells of the ball in the AL, Astros, Yankees. The bells of the ball. Haven't heard that one in a while. That was good. Yeah, so... 
we're talking Astros and Yankees here, and there, there's clearly two best teams in the American League. It's the Astros and it's the Yankees. So what I want to do now is who between those two won the trade deadline? I'm going to pick the Yankees or the Astros in terms of, hey, these are the two best teams. Which two won the deadline? Which team won the deadline over the other? So let's look into this. Yankees add, as I just talked a lot about, Montas, Trevino, Benintendi. They get Gallo off the team, which could be beneficial in the long run. Astros add, uh, they also lost Jordan Montgomery there in the rotation. That's a pretty big loss that just came down the wire here as the deadline was happening. Yankees got Benintendi, Scott Efros, Frankie Montas, Lou Trevino, and they traded one top five prospect. So I have declared the Yankees winners of the deadline, but what they gave up to do it, they crushed this deadline. They held on to Jason Dominguez. They held on to Anthony Volpe. Those are the two big guys. They gave up one top five prospect for all of those names I just mentioned. Fantastic job there. On the other side, the Houston Astros, who are already a very complete team and appear to be and have always appeared to be. I mentioned this earlier in the year. The American League is still the Houston Astros until somebody knocks them off. The Astros are the team to beat in the American League. And everybody said, oh, Ben, Ben, you're so dumb. How dare you? The Yankees are so good, and they have more wins than anybody in the history of the game. This is no discredit to the Yankees. The Yankees are a great team, and I do believe they will be in the playoffs and do really good and that we're on a collision course for these two teams to play. But the Astros have been the team to beat in the American League for years now, and the Yankees have proven that they struggle beating the Astros in the playoffs. And then we advanced a little bit, and the two teams played seven games against each other. The Astros won five of them, and the Yankees never once in seven games came to the plate with a lead. They were dominated by the Astros. The Astros go out and add to a team that already appeared to be pretty complete. They add Trey Mancini, who can fill in at first base. Yuli Gurriel hasn't been near as good as he was last year. He's been much better this year. And they add... Um, they had Trey Mancini and they had Christian Vasquez. Catcher was a need as well. Not a huge need, but it gives them a lot more ability to mix and match and do what they want there. Trey Mancini, Christian Vasquez, the big additions there. Will Smith in the back end of the bullpen, big addition. The winner between the Yankees and the Astros at this year's trade deadline, it's the New York Yankees. The Yankees were unbelievably good at the trade deadline. This was the Yankees that I grew up saying, the feared Yankees that if they wanted something at the deadline, they went and got it. You know what the Yankees wanted? They wanted a pitcher. They wanted an outfielder. They wanted a reliever. They did that, and they did that fantastically. They got Frankie Montas. They got an, out, they got an outfielder that's an all-star in Benintendi, and they got a good reliever. Lou Trevino is really good. So, I look at this I look at it this way. The Yankees accomplished their perfect offseason. Their their perfect trade deadline. They got everything they wanted. They addressed everything. The Astros in a perfect world, they seemed to be pretty all in on Josh Bell at a certain point. They didn't get Josh Bell. They got Trey Mancini who is very very good. I I love Trey Mancini. 
But was this the perfect trade deadline for the Astros? I don't know. It seemed like they wanted Josh Bell, who ends up getting moved to the Padres in the Juan Soto deal. So they both really improved. They're both clearly on a collision course for each other in the ALCS. These two teams addressed the trade deadline to face each other in October, to face each other for seven games. Now, an interesting little tidbit here, an interesting tidbit, interesting little fact here, the Yankees went out and got an elite starting pitcher, which they needed. Now, these two teams are seemingly preparing to face each other. Frankie Montas's numbers against the Houston Astros are not very good. Now, I know you can't plan and say, hey, we're going to get this guy just to face, you know, just to do this. And, it, oh, it's just numbers in the past. But that stuff does matter. So you get Montas to be able to beat the Astros in the playoffs. The Astros hit him well. But I'm not overthinking this one here. The Yankees had a phenomenal deadline and they only gave up one top five prospect to do it so the winner of the american league trade deadline was very clearly the new york yankees next up can we just talk about how good baseball is in southern california right now juan soto is here we've talked a lot about juan soto but let's really think about this look at the teams that are here I feel honored to even live out here. The Angels, Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout. Mike Trout is one of the greatest of all time. He's that good. Shohei Otani, if his career continues down this path, I mean, he will be the greatest of all time. He is the only comparison we have to Babe Ruth, which is insane. But for the last year and a half, he has put together the best year and a half of all time. So in Anaheim, you get Trout and Otani. In LA, with the Dodgers, you get Mookie Betts. You get Freddie Freeman. You get Clayton Kershaw. Unbelievable there. Mookie Betts, for a while after coming over from the Red Sox to the Dodgers, I mean, there was nobody better. When he, was win when he was winning the MVP with the Red Sox, there was, there was nobody better in baseball. He was quickly becoming the face of baseball. He has it all. He's a great guy, great smile, great baseball player, great right fielder, can play second base if you need him to. Mookie Betts is a superstar. Freddie Freeman comes over from Atlanta to L.A. And by the way, let me add here, the whole situation with Freddie going back to Atlanta was... Yes, admittedly a little weird and, and tough, but Freddie had been in Atlanta his entire career. I don't fault him at all for being as emotional as he was, but it sure looked like he needed that. He's come back to L.A. after that series, and he's been the Freddie. Fre he's been better than we've seen him. After that Atlanta series, which he was still good in and good up to that point, just the power numbers weren't quite there yet. That series finishes. He goes back, and it looked like a weight was lifted off of his shoulder. Honestly, all the talk was, hey, Freddie Freeman, he should have been a brave for life. Oh, my God. Now Freddie's going back to Atlanta. Oh, how sad for Freddie. His agent messed this up or did he? And he went back home where he lives with the team that he was with his whole career. And he talked to his old teammates. He talked to front office staff. He talked to security, the concession vendors that you become so close with over the years. It seemed like he needed that. And then he goes back out to L.A. and he has been on a tear ever since. Also in L.A., Clayton Kershaw, legend, easily Hall of Famer. One of the top 10 to 15, probably at, at this point he's in the 10 to 15 range, top 10 to 15 pitcher of all time. The stars there 
are obvious. Now San Diego, just a couple hours down the road, depending on traffic. It can take you an hour and a half. It can take you five. But one way or the other, as the crow flies, they're not very far. Now you have Juan Soto there, who I can spend hours comparing him to only Ted Williams, which is insane. You have Manny Machado there. You have Fernando Tatis, who is a superstar and was, until the injury, he was becoming one of the faces of baseball. In fact, last year, you can you could, at the beginning of the year, after that huge contract he signed, and then the year that he got off to having, you could have said, this guy's becoming the face of baseball. Now, I wouldn't say that right now. I would say Shohei Otani, and I might be a little bit biased, but he is. There, there's no way around it. The eyes Shohei Otani brings to baseball, the the hope he gives little kids growing up. I can't tell you how many times playing growing up, even through college, I was told, oh, Ben, you can't be a two-way player. Nobody does that at the highest level. Well, now that little kid with just a dream can say, oh, yeah, my hero Shohei Otani can do that. And whether it ends up happening or not is a moot point. Shohei Otani is changing the game of baseball. He is the face of baseball, and he is bringing more eyes to the game of baseball than have ever been seen before. But I digress. Fernando Tatis is also is also really good, and he's in San Diego. Tatis, Machado, um, Juan Soto, Josh Bell now. I mean, Josh Bell doesn't go in the category that all these do. But the state of baseball in Southern California is perhaps – the greatest of any region of all time. I mean, the only other comparison would be like New York when Don Mattingly, Henderson, like all those, Winfield, those names were there. Strawberry, the, the list goes on. There were good names there. But I, I would take this, and maybe I'm a little biased and, and nearsighted here, but I'm going to go with the team and the talent that we are seeing in SoCal right now. It is unbelievable. Next up in this live trade deadline special show, we're going to head back over to the board. And this one's going to be fun. This is going to be a little more player-oriented here. We're going to go top five happiest players after the trade deadline. Now, this one is fun because this can be really anything, but players that are now happier after the trade deadline has ended. So let's start at number five. I have... No, no, no. That's at number one. We're going to start at five. That's what we're going to do. It's always better going five to one than one to five, but whatever. At number five, Joey Gallo. Here's why I say that. Joey Gallo was in New York. He was obviously struggling. Everybody knew that. He knew that. Just became a really bad situation. He was getting booed. There was an article recently where he was asked what it's like when he goes out onto the streets if Yankees fans recognize him. And he said, I don't, I don't go out. And then he said, I've, I've been so bad here. It's embarrassing. I'm disappointed in myself. It's just a really sad situation. So he is now out of that situation. He is going from one big market to another big market where there will still be pressure on him but not as much. He was brought into New York to be a difference maker. He struggled a little bit. A change of scenery will be huge for him. So he is very happy, and he is at number five on this list. At number four, Andrew Benintendi. This one's fairly simple. He's now a New York Yankee after being a Kansas City Royal. Sorry, producer Bartlett, who's a massive Royals fan, but the Royals just, it's a, it's a problem. 
there. The, things are not good there in Kansas City. Their team hasn't been very good for a little while now. So Andrew Benintendi, who put together a great year, became an all-star, is now on the move and is going to be in the playoffs, is now with the New York Yankees, and he will make a big difference for that team. So he's here at number four. Moving on to number three, another New York Yankee. Now, Frankie Montas. And shout out again to one of our social guys, Adam. Crushed it with these jersey swaps. All the jersey swaps you see out there, by the way, on the MLB on Fox account, our, our guy Adam does those. And he is an absolute stud. And you see him picked up all, the, all over the place. Juan Soto posts them. I mean, they're, they're legit. And here's a good one right here. Frankie Montas on the move. He is now at number three in my top five happiest players. And this is along the lines of Benintendi. He was an Oakland Athletics pitcher. <laughs> and now he's a New York Yankees pitcher. That one's pretty clear cut and dry. He was on one of the worst teams in baseball that I don't know what they're doing. Their ownership probably doesn't know what they're doing either. They're selling off the team. They're not committing to the future at all. They're not paying anybody. They're jacking up season ticket prices after selling off everybody. Their average ticket price is honestly right around middle of the pack in the league when they are the worst team in baseball in a bad stadium. The situation there in Oakland just couldn't be much worse than it is now. So Frankie Montas, who is a great pitcher, gets out of that situation and goes to the New York Yankees where the number one goal is to win. At the end of the day, winning's just a lot more fun than losing. Moving on to number two, Luis Castillo of the Seattle Mariners now. He was the Cincinnati Reds' best pitcher. The Reds score zero runs per game. The Mariners are much better offensively. They have Julio Rodriguez at the top of that lineup doing big things. They got guys that can hit homers. They got guys that can hit for average, guys that can steal bases. They play good defense. That's new to, to him in every aspect. Good defense, good offense, big happiness. And that's why he's on this list of top five happy players. But moving on, the happiest of them all. This one was easy. Number one on the list is Juan Soto. He goes from the Washington Nationals, who couldn't even put him on a private jet out to the All-Star game, like most teams do, to the San Diego Padres, who are absolutely so happy to have him. He now gets paired. I don't know how the lineup's going to shake out when Tatis is back. But he's going to have protection of Manny Machado and protection of Fernando Tatis instead of protection of... Maybe Josh Bell if he's in the right spot in the lineup, and then, no, not, not much better help. Juan Soto is in a fantastic position now. It's also a really fun team there. Bob Melvin is a really good manager. They are going to make the playoffs. They are even more so going to make the playoffs now. And he's also in line to make close to half a billion dollars soon. So I don't know about you. That would make me probably the happiest guy as well. So he rounds out the list. Joey Gallo, Andrew Benintendi, Frankie Montas, Luis Castillo, and Juan Soto are the top five happiest players after the trade deadline. Let's go back over to the desk now. And before we finish up here, we got some fun questions, I believe. Is that correct, Taylor? This is a interactive show now. So we got some fans that ask some questions. Yeah, we got some hard-hitting questions. This is, this is your first time out here, so I don't know if you're – are you good to do it? Yeah, can we're you read? good. You can yeah. all the good stuff. Allegedly graduated from college, I know. Great. Yeah. This is going to be great then. I don't see how we fail here. <laughs> it's a hard-hitting question here. I think I know the answer to it, but this is why we ask you the questions. Okay. Whose team has improved most today, Padres getting Soto 
with the Mets getting DeGrom back? I mean, you say you think you know that answer because look at the shirt you're wearing. You're wearing a Padres shirt. You're a massive Padres fan. So whose team has improved most today? Look, that answers the Padres. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher on planet Earth when healthy. Um, he pitches once every five days. That's really what this comes down to. He's the best pitcher on planet Earth. But if you go look at Juan Soto, he's potentially the best hitter on planet earth and he can play every single day so who improved more it, it's not just the padres because of soto the padres get soto they get hater they get josh bell they did a lot to improve their team so my answer here is going to be the san diego padres all right moving on i don't know if this question is from a yankees fan or a dodgers fan but ben what do you think of the joey gallo deal i think this is good for him and that's what I'm happy about. As a, as a fan of the game of baseball, I didn't want to watch Joey Gallo, who is a very interesting player in that he hits for a lot of he hits a lot of home runs, he gets on base a lot, and he strikes out a lot. He that that is him when he's going well. When he's not going well, he is the player that strikes out a lot, gets on base a little less, and hits home runs a lot less. That's what he was in New York. It was tough to see, and it was tough to hear him talk about playing with the Yankees as he did, and I'm just glad he is on the move. Now, if you're the Dodgers, you hope, hey, we hope we get Joey Gallo of old, the Gallo that gets on base a ton, the Gallo that can hit a homer. For the Dodgers, it's probably going to end up being, hey, you can play every day if we need you to, or you can come off the bench and hopefully it'd be a good option there. But I like the trade specifically as a fan of the game of baseball. Joey Gallo is on the move. I think a change, a, a, a change of scenery is what he needed badly, and that's why I like it. All right, moving on. I know the Mets were one of your losers, so have the Mets will pond the deadline with their <laughs> acquisitions. Yeah, I, I'm frustrated. Uh, I would have liked to see them go for it, and the Mets are one of the teams I've been cl- keeping a close eye on this year just because they're a lot of fun to watch, and you have... Scherzer, you have DeGrom, and, and that's what I guarantee you that's going to be the answer when if somebody has to answer to, hey, wh- what was your deal at the trade deadline? Oh, we got back Jacob, we got Jacob DeGrom at the trade deadline. It's like, I don't like hearing that answer because no, you didn't. You didn't acquire him. You already had him. He was just injured. So, yes, you get him, and he's finally going to pitch, but you could have been in a much better position had you added a catcher. That was their weakness. That's what they needed to add. For that reason alone, I am disappointed in what the Mets did at the trade deadline. Last one. Uh, I sympathize with Jackson here because I used to feel this way all the time. He asks, why do I remain a Royals fan, Ben? (laughs) You know, Jackson, that's a great question. And the answer to your question is an easy one. You are a fan and you are a diehard fan. And you will commit to your team throughout the ups and throughout the downs. And be thankful that your team has won a World Series. They did have those back-to-back years where they were really good. They sneak into this wild card one year. They end up getting to the World Series. The next year, they end up winning a World Series. So at least you got some fun teams. Now, you're experiencing what makes a fan, being a fan, so great. It's not about 
always winning. That's why I was frustrated for, I feel like, half of my life with the city of Boston because Tom Brady would win a million Super Bowls and the Celtics were good and the Red Sox started becoming good. And it's just like, okay, what, what, what's the fun? I mean, if you're born into this, you know nothing about losing. You don't know the hardship of losing that makes the winning even that much sweeter. So that's why you remain a fan because this is going to make the winning, whether it be in two years or five years, or 20 years if you're a Mariners fan, it's going to make it that much sweeter. And that's why. And that's what makes sports so great, is experiencing the downs and being able to appreciate the ups that much more. That was poetic. I really, I really liked that. Was that was that our last question? That was it. That's all we got. Wow. This was a really fun show. Trade deadline special. Some trades trickled in as we were live, which we were... We were planning on this ended up being a lot of fun some winners and some losers but the biggest trade of all the biggest trade i have probably seen in my lifetime juan soto is on the move at 23 years old to the san diego padres this one has been an absolute blast thank you all for listening i hope you all enjoyed it make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen apple spotify google all that good stuff we're also on all social media twitter Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. This one has been a blast. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. It was wild. My Twitter fingers certainly got tired. I'm sure all of yours did as well. But at the end of the day, you learned everything you needed to know right here, and I hope you appreciate it. Until next time, I will see you all later. Peace.